it's Jordan. Welcome back to another episode of Starting a Startup. Man, today we had such a crazy day. I just felt like I had to get out here and do this podcast. So if you haven't listened to this podcast before, I'm just going to give you the straight warning. I am chronicling the experiences of starting a brick and mortar entertainment facility from from thought uh, all the way through implementation. And along this process, we've started to take on things like franchising and what that looks like and what uh, and we're opening up a technology company and creating technologies and what that looks like. And this podcast touches on things of financials and time management, and personal development and leadership skills and all these different things that I'm learning more and more along the way as I'm developing this journey. Um, the goal is, is to hopefully be able to get this to where you're going out and you're you're be able to take to identify things that are happening and maybe take action on some of the things that I'm saying. So th- with that being said, understand that what I tell you today may very well be wrong. It's the best information I have today. Go back, listen to prior podcasts, listen ahead before you take action. But a lot of these things you're probably going to find that they have relation with what you're thinking. So if you're getting to, if you're getting something from this podcast, if you've listened to this before, please recommend some other people that this might be helpful to. The entire purpose that I'm doing this is that there was a point where I was trying to determine if I was the one, if I was the chosen one, the person who was going to be successful in business. And what this podcast is, is what I had hoped I could find before uh, while I was trying to answer that question. Um, and if you have listened to this podcast, you know the answer to that question is yes, you are. You are if you decide that you are and you have the will and the determination to get through all the difficulties. So over the last two days, um, I've been, well, I should say over the last few weeks, I've been really feeling like my my team needed to help align our direction of our company. Now, one of the most important things to leading a group of people is making sure that everybody has mutual alignment with what your goals are and where you're going. So I'm, I'm reading a book and I honestly, guys, I'm, I'm reading 10 pages a day and I'd highly advise if you're not doing something like that for a personal development book, you really should do a chapter, do 10 pages, whatever it is, just do it consistently every day, hold yourself accountable to it. It's letting me think a little bit differently and making sure it, it it's opening the door to creative thought for my other guys. So anyways, I felt like things were lacking in leadership. And you know, when I say leadership, that's me, um, for my team, they need to, they needed to be more involved in this because Right now, where we're at as startup, we're all founders. We all started this company. We're all growing this company together. There is no one person that's working harder than another in what we're doing right now. So I need their input. Well, as I was reading this book, I learned about this thing called a hedgehog, the hedgehog concept. Now, I'm going to butcher the shit out of this, but I'm going to give you my best iteration of this. All right, so foxes, they want to eat hedgehogs, right? They wake up every day, and they're trying to figure out, how can I get the hedgehog? You know, they're going to surprise it at its hole or they're going to sneak up behind it another day. You know, all these different schemes on how it's going to get the hedgehog. But the thing is, is the hedgehog always knows what to do. As It always knows that when that fox approaches, all it's got to do is curl up in a pointy, spiky little ball and fuck that fox up pretty badly. Well, it wins over and over. It has one thing it knows how to do every single time. And because of it, it survives and it thrives. It reproduces and it grows. While the fox is constantly hunting and trying to find that food and may not thrive as easily. Now, 
this whole model is the idea is is you need to figure out what's important to you what's important to your company what is your they call it the uh, BHAG the big hairy audacious goal so I'm gonna try my best to describe exactly what we did and or, or what what we came up with and this guys just so you know this is a summary of about six hours of us really beating our heads against the wall this is a big project to be able to determine this and really to be able to come up with it in six hours is probably too fast for it to be accurate we may have to make some adjustments to this but the whole thing was was I need to have a conversation with our franchise attorney this this today so I need to get through this yesterday to get an idea of what to have the conversation about with the franchise attorney right now we have so many different opportunities presenting themselves in front of us we really just need to select which one do we want to go with which direction do we want to go and you're going to experience this a lot in your life. You're going to see things that come up and you have the choices of maybe a couple of bad things and you got to choose, you know, what are you going to do to resolve that? Or maybe you have the exact same situation where you have a lot of opportunities and you need to determine what is your best route to go because you can't take it all on. So what this is, is it's a Venn diagram. And it, if you want to really just, I don't know, probably fast forward a solid like five minutes here, you can actually just research what a Venn diagram is and type in hedgehog model and you'll see exactly the reference. But what it is, is it's three overlapping circles where the center of the three circles, all three touch. Now, for the hedgehog model, the top circle, you're looking at what is your passion? What are you really passionate about? Um, so the bottom circles, I, I had these two mixed up. So I put what can we best be the best in the world at on the right? If you look at the hedgehog models, it's on the left. Honestly, it doesn't matter. Same thing at the end of the day. On the other side, you have to put what your economic engine is. And that's how do you determine if you're financially successful? What says, what is your metric to say you succeeded financially? Remember that, succeeded financially. Not what your measure of success is, maybe a work-life balance or whatever, but what is it that you can say? How much money did you put in the bank? What is your percentage of profit? What is your total profit to customer or your you know profit per location or profit per geographic region? All these things can be any of your uh, your economic engine, but what is it that you can look at and you can say, I know I did a good job because I achieved this, okay? So when we went through this, we were there was a couple that we were pretty quick to be able to answer. The first one being our passion. We all know this. If you've been around high caliber cardinal entertainment or you know any of the founders of it, you know the only thing we give a shit about is giving people a fantastic time. We love giving people that sincere feeling of joy. I've said it before, that's our North Star metric. As long as we're doing that for people, we're always going to succeed. So that was pretty easy, that's our passion. When we looked at what can we be the best in the world at, we really had to think about this one because it was pretty easy answers like uh, customer service or you know profitability per event or whatever. We had, we had a lot of different things we were working with. And what we ended up coming up with was we can be the best in the world at clean adult entertainment. I know that sounds kind of weird, but if I just said adult entertainment, I know where all your fuckers' minds would have went. So yes, now you understand why it's clean adult entertainment. We're not going to be hosting strippers over here at this high caliber carny entertainment. To any of my employees that are listening to this, I'm sorry if that bro if that just broke your heart. Now the economic engine was the other circle. That one was a little bit more tougher for us. We really wanted to try to figure out. Okay, if we're expanding to multiple locations and we're going nationwide, what are the pros and cons of all the different possibilities of the economic engine? And we really hammered this out for quite a while of, uh, for example, if you do profitability by geographic region, you have the responsibility to know the, the 
influxes of the market there. So if you're in Chicago, you know, do we have a large turnover in um, in middle age or young adults? Did they did are they moving away? Or you know, if we're looking in Austin right now, where there's a lot of influx, or Nashville, Tennessee, there's a lot of young adults coming in. Is that the location that's driving the performance of our company, or is it that facility just gives it that? Is, is that that area basically has those customers uh, more of the minute? Um, what we ended up going up to was net profit percent to total store revenue. So if I sell a million dollars at one of these facilities and my net profit is you know, $150,000, I know I'm 15% to total revenue. So we can keep that pretty consistent around, uh, across the board because the higher expense locations should drive higher revenues. That's really the only reason why it makes sense to go to large cities with companies like this. Um, where the rent's exponentially more expensive, labor is more expensive, all these things. So that's our that's our three. We've got our passion is joy. We can be the best in the world at clean adult entertainment, and our economic engine is net profit percent to total revenue. Now we had to look and see where these circles first overlapped with one another next to each other. Now the first one was what does joy overlap with clean adult entertainment? And this was pretty easy. That's customer engagement. If our customers are having a good time and they're feeling the sense of joy and we're and the only way we can do that is by really getting with them to work with them and to get them to be basically our friends and give them a great experience. That's going to give that feeling of the best clean adult entertainment in the world. Nothing else. Customer engagement is the only thing that we can do to really differentiate ourselves, because if we have, let's say, the best um, go-karts and the best axe throwing lanes and like all the best offerings, but we have shitty employees. We're never going to get it. If we have really great employees with even mediocre offerings, we still can be the best in the world because people crave that connection. People, people crave being taken care of and having good experiences. And why not? I mean, it doesn't, obviously that's an obvious statement. Now the next one was where joy crossed over with the economic engine and we this one we were trying to figure out if it we, we had ended up going to revenue per customer you know if if a customer's having a good time they're going to spend more money with us we were using that as a metric but we realized that's going to be hard as a standard because somebody in lansing michigan probably isn't going to spend the same amount of money as somebody in new york city so as we scale it's going to be difficult to be able to keep that as a a reasonable metric and what we realized was our employee engagement was really the answer to that one if our employees are happy if they are truly have that sincere feeling of joy, the customers are going to be happier, which is going to drive our profitability because they're going to spend more money. It was one layer deeper. So now we're looking that, you know, two our circle overlaps in the customer engagement and our circles overlap in the employee engagement. Cool. I like this. I like how this is going. Now, what can we be the best in the world at? Crossing with the net profit percent to total store revenue. We toyed with this for quite a while as well, and I, I keep saying that over and over. Yes, it was a long process. And, you know, we thought of our technology division of high caliber cardings, um, the, or the combat carding company. Uh, they're building the, basically the, the um, combat system is, it's a, it's a display that's on the car. As you go around the track, you can shoot your friends, gain power-ups, gain additional weapons, and it ties directly into the cart. So it physically slows the cart down. And then you have a points accrual system that allows you to be able to score based on um, how many passes you do, what position you finish in, what your fastest lap is, how many times you shot somebody, how many times you were shot. You also have a shield that you're toggling, which allows you to deflect shots. 
Um, you get a four seconds of shield that re regenerates after 20 seconds, so about two-thirds of a lap. So this whole system is, there's nothing like it in the world. So we're like, okay, our technology has to be a component of it. But it's not. Because if, if tomorrow, if Combat Carding LLC got bought by another company, we still would exist as high-caliber carding entertainment. That one attraction does not define us. But we started looking at our other things. So our arcade. We partnered with the best arcade company in the world to make sure that we got the right games in with our with our our entertainment venue. And by doing that, we went round and round with every arcade supplier and manufacturer there was for us. And we interviewed them all. And we just made sure we did it right. Next was the driver simulators. Andretti Motorsports in Orlando, Florida is the only one that has the driver simulators. And I sent Casey to check those out. And I checked out the ones that I liked. Or, or I'm, I'm sorry. I take that back. I checked out. The, we, I had him check out the ones that Connor likes. So now we got a, a very realistic comparison. Now, the ones that Connor was advocating for were half the price of the ones for Andretti in Orlando, which really made me question if it's twice the price, it should be higher quality. Well, after sending Casey flying around and Connor and, and uh, Casey both going to Ohio to test out the different ones, it was a blatant, obvious difference that actually the less expensive simulators were way better, way better. And a lot of the components that they build are, are, for, are for those more expensive rigs. So we're getting the same quality of products, lesser price with a better experience. Our axe throwing. Now we're spending time with that of how can we best service the customer? What are the flows going to be like? How much space is there? How many people can we get it at get into each lane and have a good experience? How we can can we distribute them across different lanes when they're open and available? You know, all these things we're trying to figure out what's in the best interest for the customer and our staffing models that go along with that. We're doing it on a different level than most axe throwing places. We actually had to have a conversation with the World Axe Throwing League about how we were going to be doing it to make sure that they were okay with it. Their response was, those are fantastic ideas and changes. Please keep us updated as you try them out. And so these, it, it, we started realizing that maybe technology isn't our thing, but maybe innovation is. Maybe our ability to take something that's already there and make it more engaging and more refined and making it better. Every, and we realized everything in our facility, we're doing that. The beer dispensing system for our bar is one of three in, in Michigan that it serves it from the bottom up and it's, it reduces waste. It gives a better experience and it also gives some collector items that come to that. Our carts, we, we went and drove every manufacturer to make sure that we were aligned with the best one. We chose the best barriers based on talking with different business owners. I mean, just everything we had done in this, it wasn't anything that we just said, okay, we're going to do this. We dug into it to make sure that we made the right decisions from the get-go and the very best decisions that were possible at that time. And that is innovation. So when I look at where profit as a percent to total store revenue and the uh, ability to be the best clean adult entertainment facility in the world, we saw the innovation was where those two things crossed. If we're innovative, we can be the very best and it's going to drive our profitability. So now we had to take a look and say, where do all of these three things meet? So we have customer engagement, employee engagement, and innovation. What is our, with those three things taken into consideration, what is our big, hairy, audacious goal? What is it that we think we can achieve with those three core parts of our model? And we started thinking about who is the best entertainment venue for children in the world? 
And damn near everybody is immediately going to say Disney. But if I asked you that for adults, I think you'd have a hard time responding to that. Now, you could say an artist for a concert is one or a concert venue. Um, Dave and Buster's comes to mind. Top Golf comes to mind. You know, these these things are what come to mind across the United States, at least. That's what I'm really only intimately familiar with. But there's nobody who stands out dominant across the entire industry like no other. So our big, hairy, audacious goal, our BHAG, is to be to adults what Disney is to children. We want to be the best fucking adult entertainment experience in the damn world. And I'm talking the entire world. I want to be in Dubai. I want to be in Japan. I want to be in Russia. I want to be in Africa and Europe and Australia. I want to go there. And I want to have our facilities there. And we all agreed. Everybody in the room was in 100% alignment. We were all pretty fucking smoked at that point. Uh, our our brains were about done for. And honestly, the, the, I came home to my wife and I told her that my frontal lobe hurt. That's just the best way I could describe it because we had been spending so much time just thinking. And that critical thinking takes a lot out of you. Well, as we were going through and we're realizing that our goal is to be the adult Disney, holy shit, that's a tall order. That's a big project. And that is going to take a long time to achieve. And I realized... I can't be the CEO of a tech company and growing an entertainment company like that. So now we have to take a look and see what is combat carding going to be. If we have this business that creates a product that's in, that we anticipate will be very high demand, and I'm sure anybody that builds a product anticipates there's going to be high demand. It'd be stupid to build a product if they didn't. But I think if you're listening to this podcast, you can probably understand that what's desirable for the, uh, for this product. So, I can't grow that the best in the world. So we have two options. We can either hire somebody to do that, in which, you know, we got the expenses and everything that come with doing that, or we grow it and we sell it. Now, as I ran through with my entire team about how are we going to do this, what's our best interest to go forward, we had all just, I mean, we had a million different questions for it. And really what it came to a solution was, is we are too premature to ask that question. But it gave me the realization that we need to have an exit strategy in case that is the route we go. Which was great because that gave us a chance to have a conversation with our franchise attorney today. So I'm going to fast forward now. We, we did all that. We knew, we, we talked about what are we going to do with combat carding. We defined our, our goal, our big high reach goal of what we want to achieve before you know we die or leave this company or sell it or whatever happens with it so today we go in and we sit down with a franchise attorney and we have the conversation and i say we connor joined me with us we have the conversation about what is it that we're doing and his biggest reservation was if we don't reserve that technology for somebody to be a part of our franchise people are less incentivized and we're easily replicated so if we do sell that technology to another cart track that's doing a really shitty job of being a cart track, like, I don't know, I, I, I probably shouldn't say some of my competitors that are very obvious for that, but you know the cart tracks that you go to and everything is just pieces of shit and there's 16-year-old kids running the whole facility that don't give a fuck about your experience. If we give them our technology, our combat, our Infinity Combat System technology, they're going to be, they're going to water down what our franchise is. 
because somebody's first experience with it may be very poor at that point. Now, what does that mean for expenditure, uh, you know, as, as far as our revenues and everything? Well, what I'm starting to learn is your when you're developing a franchise or buying a franchise, you're buying that franchise basically at what the cost is to develop it. Now, after that, you have the reoccurring fees because there's some intellectual properties being tied into a franchise with familiarity of their name, their logos, their brands. Also, with the way that they do operations, combined marketing, stronger purchase power, those things all come into play for franchises as to why they're advantageous. The reoccurring royalties that you get is really where your profitability is. Now, you're going to look somewhere around the realm of seven to eight or seven to eight percent of reoccurring royalties. Now, it depends on what you're doing. I can't. I, I believe McDonald's is something like four or five percent of total revenue. Um, Subway something like eight percent, and you know those are two of the restaurant facilities. Um, this was just the, some of the information I got for comparables from our current franchise attorney. That seven to eight percent of total revenue is what we can expect in royalties. So now, if somebody is let let's say somebody is generating about four million dollars of profit of a facility, which is probably pretty accurate. At 8% of that, that would be $320,000 a year per location that we open for a franchise that we would receive. So it's very much well worth it because that that the person that owns that, along with that, with a $4 million revenue um, in the cost of development, they're going to pay for their facility a little over a year. That's pretty fucking good. If you have a return on your investment a little over a year and you can make 20 to 30% of your initial investment every year after that. So tell me... If you give me a hundred dollars and I say I'm going to give you twenty dollars every year for the rest of your life, it'd be something you'd be pretty interested in doing, and that's pretty much what we're pitching at a, at a worst case scenario as part of this franchise. That's the model that we have to be able to create, and we have to show that profitability through our financials, and um, you know we have to be able to also replicate it in a second location to show that it's also scalable. So with that, if we license out these technologies, it waters that down a little bit. Now the other side of it is if we don't license out these technologies, then We've got, we're inviting competition in for this technology. And really, our facility, in my eyes, this is how I see it, and my franchise attorney would argue the living shit out of it with me, and he did for about two hours, is that technology we're developing is like any other thing that we have in our facility. If I go to a go-kart track, they're going to have arcade games. A lot of them are going to have hacksawing. They're going to have go-karting. They're going to have a, a bar. They're going to have a bistro. It's... It's not drastically different. How we operate it is where our difference lies. So if they have a similar offering to us, it doesn't water down who we are. Because you may go visit a high caliber car in an entertainment location, but you don't, or, or I'm sorry, you may go visit a go-kart track, but you hadn't finished, visited a high caliber car in an entertainment location. It's like saying, yeah, I went to a restaurant once and it sucked. No, you ha if you go to a five-star restaurant, you're going to expect something as a great experience. Or let's even say something like a retailer, for example. So I went to Macy's. My experience at Macy's was I got the quality or I got products. They had quali uh, decent quality and I paid, you know, marginally higher dollar amount than what I was expecting. Now, if I go to like a, oh, a men's warehouse, now this person is, he's coming and he's measuring my size and he's making sure that I'm getting the right, you know, associated stuff, um, you know, the right shirts, the right socks, all those things that go with it. It's a catered customer experience at that point. 
Now that men's warehouse is more expensive and also it's, you know, I'm getting a different material and whatever we can go into there. But at the end of the day, I can't compare those two businesses. I can't say because Macy's was shitty, men's warehouse will be shitty. They're two very different things. And I, it makes sense to me. Hopefully that does to you. But the way I'm looking at it is if we sell these technologies right away, we're going to get a lot of money for that technology right off the bat. And that money we can turn and we can reinvest that in the next technology or something into high caliber card entertainment with our expansion model with that. Basically, we open a giant bank account for us to be able to do for do more with our business. If I don't sell it right away and I keep it for the that you have to be a part of the franchise, how fast can we scale as a part of this franchise? You know, we're releasing this product less than six months after we open. I can't go to somebody, in my opinion, I can't logically go to somebody and say, hey, look what I did in these last six months. Look what you can do for your franchise. Unless that person's a really poor business person and doesn't have the thought of, okay, but how long will it last? And is this duplicatable at two locations? Anybody who's going to jump on board with me signing a franchise after we've only been in business for six months is an idiot and really isn't going to be successful in their franchise anyways. So that's really a bad route for all of us. It's nobody's going to win in that situation. So we really are sticking pretty heavily towards the side of selling the Infinity Combat Systems technology to other cart tracks. So that made things a little bit easier to make the decision on. But one thing that I got pushed on, and I'm still grappling with this thing, I spent about the next month thinking about it, is I got pushed, we've been pushed multiple times to change the name of our company. We're high caliber carding and entertainment. Okay, we started off as high caliber carding. Our property management company came back to us and said, you know, you really should consider changing your name. Everybody's just gonna see you as carding. And we added and entertainment, but let's be honest, I think if you're on the other end of this, you know damn well that that doesn't tell, do any difference. We're still high caliber carding. We changed our name in, our, in, in words, but as far as what the message was, we didn't. So as we're talking about this, he's saying every person that hears high caliber carding knows that they're going to go there to go go-karting, but they don't know that you have axe throwing. They don't know that you have a bar. They don't know that you have an arcade. And if you're exclusive by saying high caliber carding, you're eliminating all of the possibilities. If you're just high caliber entertainment or something along those lines, there's no exclusivity. The possibility for what you are is much more broad. And I understand what he's saying, and I'm, I'm not in disagreement with it. We just have to take a look and say, how much value is that worth? It also opens the door for, let's say go-karting becomes you know, non-existent. It's not a cool thing anymore. Not anything we have in the foreseeable future, but it's a possibility it could happen. If we're aligned with high caliber carding and we need to remove carding as part of our model, what is that going to do for our business? We're going to have to change the name at that point. So now is the time to do it if we're ever going to do it. Before we've been open for business, before we have a bunch of marketing out there, before people are accustomed to this high caliber carding entertainment, just high caliber entertainment. So that was a, a great conversation. I walked away with a, a metric ass load of things I got to figure out. I need to take a look at how many customers do we have in the United States for Infinity Combat System? How many do I think that I can convert? How much money is a comparable product worth? What is our expenses to operate this business? What's our, our break-even expenses for? I basically got to create an all-new business plan for combat carding. I've got experience with this with high-caliber carding, so I'm not worried about it. It's just going to take an excessive amount of time, more than what I have available. Now, speaking on that time availability thing, I want to go into the real reason why I wanted to have this podcast tonight. 
I fucked up pretty bad. I made a pretty big mistake today. Right now, we're getting close to where we're getting down on the wire. Things are getting pretty hectic because we don't have that much more time to get these things done. And we're feeling it. So we're pushing. And man, guys, the stress is mounting. We're all feeling it. We all see it. And it's been very hard for us all to stay functional. You know, our our consistency of going to the gyms, to the gym every day. I can see every, almost everybody. It's fallen away by the wayside. The food we're eating, the the amount of sleep we're getting, our relationships with our friends and our family members, all these things, we're seeing a little bit of strain to it. And I think out of all of it, I probably radiate it the most, unfortunately. And as a leader, I shouldn't be doing that. I can't let these things get to me. So today I was doing a sprint planning with Kevin and our two interns, uh, Taylor and, and Colin. And we're going through the sprint planning and I asked a question about do we need a switch to power on and off the circuit? Because otherwise our power converting unit uh, will constantly draw power and we'll have dead batteries in the morning. And Kevin had said, yeah, I thought about that. I started looking into that, but yeah, you're right. We need to do that. And typical me, I wanted to solve it right now, right now. I know this hardware stuff. I can figure this out right now. Well, Kevin and I are a bit under stress right now, trying to get this stuff moving and doing things right. And our communication skills are not exactly refined. And Kevin said, it doesn't matter. I'm researching it. I've done some research on it. I can't answer all these questions. So just trust me. I'll get it handled. All right. Or he just said, just trust me. And that wasn't good enough for me because I so badly want to be a part of developing this technology. I, I've, I've been very minimal in all this because these guys have just taken off and they've been able to be top performers in it along the way. More evidence that I can't be the CEO of both companies. I can't, I can't even help build this technology, let alone even have a good communication with the guy who is building it, the per the core, the heart of this, in this endeavor. So I pushed him and he got, he pushed back on it and just said, Hey, I need you to trust me. And I, I felt myself, my heart a little bit on the inside go, just, okay, all right, let it go, Jordan. You need to trust him. And I let it go. My intern to the right of me, Colin, asked a question about it and brought it back up, which immediately eliminated all of my thought of just trust Kevin and let it go and got me back into grilling Kevin, which pissed him off. And he slammed his hands on his table and said, I can't answer that. Just trust me. And I got pissed. And I mean, there's one thing to, yes, he shouldn't have done that. But you know what? I'm a fucking adult. Never would that have been a big deal to me, but I was stressed. And I looked at him and said, get the fuck out of my office. And everybody just kind of like stood up and Kevin just goes, no. Now this proceeded to go into a hell of an argument to the point of where I tried to physically remove Kevin from the facility. And guys, this is on me. I should have supported Kevin when he said, trust me. And the intern asked the question again. I should have said, hey, Kevin is in charge of this and he knows his shit. If he says, trust him, let's trust him. Let's move on. But the stress had gotten to me and I hadn't allowed myself to think clearly enough. And instead, I completely violated one of my closest friends and one of my teammates. And that was not, I mean, it was ugly, guys. It's probably one of the least proud moments I've ever had of myself in my life. And after he refused to leave, I dismissed the interns. 
And I sat there and talked with him and we yelled, we yelled at each other and argued. And finally, we just, we finally got to a point where we just were too tired to yell at each other anymore. And we both just broke down and cried and hugged each other and said, the fuck is going on? This isn't like us. We don't want that to happen. That's not who we want to be. But that tells you how much stress can get into these things. Two of the closest friends in the world can get to the point of where they're screaming at each other over fucking nothing. All I wanted to know was what voltage the board was. The entire issue was I was interjecting solutions prematurely that were not helping us with growing and developing. But neither of us had any way of just being like, hey, I just want to know the voltage that's at and then I'll shut up. Or Jordan, you're going to give an answer right away and there's more to just that answer. So just do me a favor, trust me on this one and we'll let it go. But we decided to go at it with this egotistical route. And guys, I just, your team is your everything. It's your fucking everything. You can't do anything in this world by yourself. Nothing, not a fucking thing in this world you can do successfully by yourself. It takes a team, people that support you, people that encourage you, people that discourage you. Those are all your team to give you reasons to move forward and give you the ability to. If you alienate your team, you are moving your company backwards faster than anything else in the world and you're being a shitty leader. But understand that we're human. We make these mistakes. I made this mistake today. I, I, I try to hold myself to this idea that I'm the unattainable CEO, the person who can hit the gym, can eat right, can you know, do the, do, do the CEO job for both companies and be the answer for everybody and be their personal life coach and help them with developing all these things and give them the support and the financials of all these things. But you can't fucking do it. You can't fucking do it. You need to let people go be amazing. You need to be the person who just encourages them. Let them have the light. Let them have control. Because if you try to be the best at every fucking thing and everything you do, you're at best going to be mediocre in it all. You need to find where you're great. Now, I want to be great in developing these technologies. And I want to be a great CEO for this entertainment business. Those two things aren't going to match. Because if I'm developing, I'm not meeting the people. I'm not building the relationships. And I'm not expanding our horizons and our direction of our company, which is the job of a CEO. Build the opportunities. I'm physically building the technology. You can't do two things the best in the world. I'm, I mean, I should take that back. I'm sure you can, but you can't do them for the first time at the same time and expect for it to happen. It takes thousands of hours, the whole 10,000 hour rule. It takes 10,000 hours to be an expert at anything. So if you're doing both things at the same time, you're doing half time to it. So it's going to take you twice as long to be an expert in both. And nobody's got time for that. You're going to get passed by your competition in that time. So the whole thing I'm trying to bring across to you is your team is your everything. They're going to help you make sure you're going in the right direction. They're going to keep you in check. They're going to help you develop your, 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 whatever it is your dream is because it's everybody's dream. Treat them like your best fucking customer in the world. If your customer is, if you have a customer, let's say you're selling something and they buy, well, it depends on what you're selling. Let's say they buy a million of whatever you're selling every year, okay? If that customer calls you and says, hey, I'm frustrated with this experience, you're going to say, what can I do to fix it? I'll take care of it right away. All those, all those, those 
I'm here for you things that support. Okay. If your employee comes to you and says, Hey, I'm frustrated with this, with, with this thing, with our company, it's often, often received in a defense and an arms crossed manner. But guys, that employee is your best fucking customer in the world. He's selling the most shit for you. He's creating the most opportunity. That person is your biggest advocate. Why the fuck wouldn't you treat him the same way like you treat your best customer in the world? What can I do to do better? What can I do to help it solve this issue? And acting with some manner of urgency. Your employees are more important than your personal goals. If you're operating a company right, you treat them right. You put their priorities, you put their, their needs first, not their priorities, their needs first, which is the desire to succeed, the desire to grow and develop, the desire to have an income that can support, you know, their dreams and aspirations. If you're taking care of those things for somebody, you're going to have a successful company. You're all the things that you want are going to come out of the wayside. But if you put what you want First, they're not going to follow you. People want to be a part of something successful, but they the big key to that isn't something successful. It's be a part of. They need to feel involved in it. They need to feel appreciated in it. And if you can't do that, if you can't genuinely appreciate the people you have, you're doomed for failure. Today, I had a rude awakening. I let the ego, my ego get the best of myself, and I hope to God that you listening to this podcast, get the opportunity to check yourself and ask yourself, would you do the same? Are you doing the same? Because if one of you motherfuckers out there actually gets this message through and is able to make an adjustment for it, this entire 40-minute podcast will have been completely worthwhile. So I hope you gleaned something from this. This has been a lot of things covered. I know I went a lot of different directions with this, but this is a fantastic experience. Nothing, even my, my shitty attitude today is a great experience because I got a chance to learn how much I really do appreciate Kevin again today. I got a chance to realize what I, what my priorities really are and really sit back and say, what is causing me to deviate from those things? Today was a great day. Tomorrow's going to even be fucking better. Tomorrow I'm going to go build and work towards being the adult Disney. What Disney is to children is what we're going to be for adults. When people compare themselves in an entertainment atmosphere, they're going to compare them to us. We're going to be the fucking gold standard of adult and clean adult entertainment. We will not settle for anything less than that. We hold our employees to that expectation. We hold ourselves to that expectation. We hold our franchisees to that expectation and we will see success. We will see growth and we will see ourselves at the top of the fucking list. You will too. Set your goals, know your direction, appreciate your team, develop relationships with those people that you need to and those people around you to actually give a fuck about them. Help them achieve their goals. Help them achieve their desires. Support them like you want to be supported. And you're going to see everything you ever dreamed of coming to light. Fucking everything. Go be amazing. But more importantly, go let others be amazing. Go make it so others can be amazing. Don't be the light. Don't be the only star of the show. Be the person that you need 
today to be successful. See ya.